スロットンシュ
that's awesome about the EverDrive too. So that's one of those uh, newfangled ones that does uh, Sega CD as well. Correct. Right? Yes, I went for the absolute latest version. It was not cheap for sure, and of course they're you know manufactured and shipped out of uh, Ukraine. So um, you know it feels really good, obviously, to support folks that are that are over there. But you know, there's also the slight worry that okay, uh, what if this doesn't come over you know like will it get to me? which yeah. is i mean that's just the reality right so but it it uh, yeah it, and it got to it you. got to me it took a while but it got to me and uh, yes it does support uh you know playing sega cd if you if you load the uh, images onto it um but it also and this is super cool if you have an actual sega cd attached and you pop in an everdrive it'll act as a as a memory card which I actually don't own for the Sega oh, CD. Right, so, yes. you know, you can play original discs and now you have the EverDrive acting as a memory card. So that's really cool. Oh, that is really cool. And my hat's off to them to for continuing to, mm-hmm. you know, ship these things all over the world despite the circumstances. You know, I mean, they've that's just insane. Definitely. You know? And uh, definitely agree with you that it's it's great to be able to support them. So do you think you'll ever be getting a Saturn ODE of some kind? Do you know, I think inevitably I... Will, if for no other reason than, you know, disk drives are starting to fail and it's starting mm-hmm. to get harder to find original replacement parts um, mm-hmm. to be able to get them up and running again. So, you know, I've got easily a dozen Saturns, but there's a good two or three that now need some some CD drive work. And, you know, you know that if you're buying a genuine drive off of, say, eBay or somewhere else, you know that it's coming from another Saturn that's either been cannibalized or... So it, to, to answer your question, I think inevitably I will. I mean, I would argue that you know the best use case or the biggest reason to compel you to get one would be just the fact that there's so much excellent homebrew coming mm-hmm. out from the machine um, that you don't necessarily want to burn to a disc because they get updated so often or uh, same thing with patches, you know, patches and translations coming out. Um, yes, you could burn it to a disc, but at the same time, you know, with stuff like uh, Trekkies Grande, we saw several revisions, mm-hmm. you know, um, close together too. So, you know, with a, with a game that's two discs like that, it's sometimes it's just easier to toss it onto an ODE. And um, also just opening yourself up to all of those obscure Japanese games. Like, for example, you recently did a, a little blurb on Tilk, which was a mm-hmm. pretty obscure Japanese game. Obscure enough that Moby Games didn't have a listing for it, mm. uh, despite it also having a PlayStation release, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was amazing. Have you played that game? Yeah, briefly. And it's, you know, to me, it's like, wow, how did this not come over? It's such a sort of easygoing, fun little game to play, you know? Beautiful graphics, hand-drawn. Gorgeous. So, so through emulation, I take yes. it? You've yeah. played it through. So yeah, I mean, you know, definitely highly recommend uh, picking up like a Fenrir mm-hmm, uh, at mm-hmm. some point. Although I can understand if you're like me, not wanting to ch- alter the Saturn internally at all, you know, taking a CD drive that works out of a out of a Saturn, you know. But if it's one that's dead, then yeah, you know, I can probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. concede that. Me and myself, um, I just got back from Hawaii. That was fun. We went to Kauai and um, that was a fun trip. And uh, as I've got back, I've had a lot of catch up to do. But what I have got involved in is this uh, splash wave racing tournament, I guess, or what, you know, just it's just for fun, just for bragging rights. But it's a Sega Rally Championship time attack that everybody's doing. And so I've had to spend some serious time trying to shave milliseconds off of my desert lap time. And what I've actually discovered that I wanted to share real quick before we get into our main topic is that I've already been playing at my absolute max. 
And so now I'm just like basically playing against myself and trying to shave time off, you know? Mm -hmm. And so at this point, it's a game of like absolute concentration, kind of like knights, you know? And also I've discovered that I have to kind of pivot to a different style in order to really do well with it. So what I did was I've turned the background music completely down and I'm wearing headphones and I'm listening to the undercarriage of the car. And I talked to Joe, Sega RPG fan about this, and he said I was right on. I just kind of like stumbled onto this epiphany is that you want to run Sega Rally as quietly as possible. If all you have is the road noise of the tires on the ground, then that means you have grip and you're going as fast as you can. Anytime you go over a jump and you hit the ground, that's a bump that adds time. Anytime you bump a wall or crash, essentially, that adds massive time, right? But also anytime you hear sand rubbing up on the undercarriage of your car, that means you're slipping and you're you're also adding time. Wow. So you really want to just act like there's a baby sleeping and you're trying to run the <laughs> you're trying to run Sega around. So when you, you know, make a turn, you're gonna get some of that like sand and gravel kicking up on the undercarriage, you know? But immediately you wanna kind of level out and get rid of that noise and and make it so that you're just kind of like quiet running. And now I've gotten my time down to like two minutes, 41 seconds. So it's better than I've ever done on desert. And um, wow. I'm still kind of shaving milliseconds off now that I've discovered this <laughs> little, I wouldn't call it a hack, but <laughs> that's, isn't that phenomenal? Another way to approach the game. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I would never do that, though. When I'm playing Sega Rally normally, you've got the music turned up, which is awesome, by the way. And you're just kind of like pumped and you're just playing it kind of like arcade style. And that's fun. And I can do well. But in order to actually beat myself, I have to like resort to like these <laughs> strange tactics in order to actually get anywhere. But that's great that uh, that's even possible that, you know, by listening to, you know, sound mm -hmm. cues, you're able to sort of judge and adjust your gameplay. Like that's just, just rad. That is awesome. I mean, I can't look at the code and prove it, but I'm pretty sure that each one of those noises equals a certain amount of time being added, you know, or time being mm. lost, I guess, in, in terms of you having to gain speed again. So anytime you hit a wall, it's like it automatically adds 10 milliseconds or more. I don't know how much it is, but it's massive, right? And anytime mm. you come down from a jump and you, hit the undercarriage like you slam your car down that slows you down a little bit but yeah every time you're coming around a really long turn and the gravel is just hitting your undercarriage you're basically you don't have any kind of contact you don't have traction um at the longer that that goes on somewhere in the back of the game's code i think it's adding on time as long as that sound is going it's like ding, 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 you know, like almost like a slot machine. It's adding on time that you don't see until you pass the checkpoint. And then you're like, oh, crap. Now I'm like plus 22 or plus 44, you know. So, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. But I actually think that that's how it works. And the only time that you're you're at zero or basically like doing better is when you have full contact and you're running really quietly. I would have never thought that's amazing. Now I'm going to absolutely be trying this. <laughs> Play with headphones and turn the background music all the way down. And then um, when you start the race, just hammer the acceleration until he says three, two, one. You let off the acceleration at one and then you punch it right between six and six and a half and you'll get a boost. You'll get a really crazy boost that'll give you like a negative six mm. uh, milliseconds that'll really help. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. Wild. But, but uh, here, here I am like, I don't know, over a quarter of a century later and I'm 
learning new ways to run Sega Rally. So, but great game. That's why we love the Saturn, though, isn't it? Like that because you know there's these deep little nuances, and you can almost, in my opinion, anyways, you can almost sort of see the way that the folks that program these games were thinking and. You know, like it just mm-hmm. it. I don't know. It's a way to connect with um, with the uh, programmers. Yeah. You know, so that's really neat. I'd never I'd never played it competitively before in any way, so I'd never had the need to resort to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, with Netlink, it's a different story. You know, with Netlink, you're just basically fighting the latency, <laughs> right? Right. And you're just try- you're just trying not to bump into walls. You know, but but that's a completely different thing. Yeah. But this is just you know, it's fun. So. Anyway, why don't you be the one to tell everybody what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, getting that EverDrive for the Genesis really kind of got me into playing all of these Genesis games. And it sort of got me thinking how few of the franchises that really made the Genesis slash Mega Drive so popular, how few of them, you know, made the crossover to the Saturn. I mean, we've even got lots of uh, instances where, you know, there was a franchise on Genesis. It skipped Saturn completely and then went over to Dreamcast. So things like, you know, Echo the Dolphin or, uh, you know, the Fantasy Star games, Um, you know, and arguably there was a there was a compilation on the Saturn in Japan of Fantasy Star. But you, you get my point, like there were no new entries. Right. But there were a few uh franchises that made it over and you know when i was looking at the list of games that made it over it dawned on me that some of them made it over really really well from 16 to 32 bit but some of them Mm -hmm. not so much right and so i'm just you know i'd love for us to talk about uh these franchises that did make it over and you know we obviously would have gone into them uh with expectations based on what you know, what the experience was like in 16 bits. So I just want to, you know, talk about what we felt about the games, how they sort of compared to the experience back on the Genesis and, you know, where their expectations were met or, or not, you know? So yeah. I think it might be a, a fun topic. And, and if we could, I'm going to get us maybe started and kick it off with maybe the most obvious franchise. And that's of course, Sonic the Hedgehog, right? So, you know, 16 bit, he, you know, was responsible. I think that franchise was quite responsible for the Genesis gaining as much traction as it did in the West. Um, you know, there were four mainline iterations of that series uh, on the Genesis during its lifespan. And there were tons of spinoffs, you know, from the spinball game to, you know, other titles. But yeah, you know, the mainline 2D Sonic games, had the speed where they needed to they had really big expansive levels you know just um, lots of exploration was encouraged the graphics were really snappy for the genesis like it was just great all around and so it was a headliner for that system for sure and then we got to the saturn and of course everybody's expectation was okay i mean it's it's just a matter of time before you know before a uh, saturn sonic game emerges and you know, it took a lot longer than everybody expected for an actual Sonic game to appear on the Saturn. The first one that we got was Sonic 3D Blast. And that's primarily because Sonic Extreme was cancelled, right? So that was going to be a, a nice big uh, 3D Sonic game, and it just didn't end up working out for a variety of reasons. But uh, here we uh, Sonic right. 3D Blast. Um, after that, we ended up getting Sonic Jam, which was essentially a compilation of the Genesis Sonic mainline games. And then the last game was Sonic R, which is such a divisive game, 
right? I mean, you either love it or you mm-hmm. hate it. There's mm-hmm. not usually very many folks that are sort of in between on it. But yeah, you could definitely argue that the Sonic experience on the Saturn was way, way different from the Genesis. So I got to ask you, do you appreciate the Sonic games that we got on Saturn? Or do you think it was just like a massive missed opportunity? How do you? How did you view them back then? How do you view them now? Well, the answer is yes to both of those questions. <laughs> of course, I, I appreciate, I own all three. I'm a massive Sonic fan. I love Sonic and everything he represents. You know, I mean, like I've been a, been a Sonic fan since, you know, I was a little kid. So, you know, of course I, I geek out on anything Sonic, but at the same time, even coming from a back in the day, kind of what I remember, every single one was a disappointment. You know, every single one was a compromise in some way, whether it be Sonic 3D Blast, which was just a port of a, it, I mean, it was a complete remake. You know, it wasn't an actual port of the Genesis. I'm sure they used some of the code, but it, graphically and musically, um, it's just that it was like, okay, so here's a game that's already on the Genesis and they're putting it out on the Saturn or whether it's Sonic Jam where it was just, okay, here's a collection of games that you can already play on the Genesis. Or if it was Sonic R, where it was like finally a a Sonic game, but it's like a racing, so it's like a side Mm -hmm. joint thing. It's not not a true Sonic game. And it's, uh, you know, cobbled together or whatever. A lot of people had a hard time with the controls, you know, couldn't come to grips with that. So each game is compromised. And so, yes, I appreciate it, all of them. And I'm able to see them for, you know, what they have going for them. But none of them are like absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. I would argue that probably Sonic Jam is subsequently in hindsight, Sonic Jam is actually the the most polished package. Um, but even it lacks Sonic CD. Sure. So, yep. you know, which felt like a missed opportunity since it included the little video mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. intro, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that you could watch, but you couldn't play the game, which mm-hmm. I don't think they exhausted all of the disk space. It, you know, it was just funny. You know, maybe it was the music that uh, that they couldn't cram in there or something like that. But just remembering, you know, back in the day, I was not impressed with Sonic Jam. Because, again, we had a Genesis in the house and we had all those games. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I didn't see any reason to go back to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting point you make about, you know, Sonic Jam missing Sonic CD. Boy, at the time, I had wished that Sonic Jam was a two-disc set. Oh, Yeah. And then disc two would have had Sonic CD on it. And, you know, maybe a couple other, I don't know, Game Gear titles or whatever squeezed in there. But I do recall that. It's funny because I, you know, in retrospect, I kind of wonder whether Sonic was tailor-made for the time and for the console, for the Genesis, right? Like it really sort of took advantage and played to the strengths of the Mega Drive hardware. And, you know, it was hip. It was cool. It was what people wanted. Um, and so it just, it checked off all the boxes. And then when the Saturn came along, I think it was really hard to take, you know, the, the idea, the concept of Sonic and what he was and, and what he represented and try to squish that into something that worked on mm-hmm. the Saturn. I mean, obviously everyone right away was 3D, 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 let's make it 3D. But the reality is the Saturn wasn't really suited for like an adventure type 3D game. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that came later with Dreamcast, but uh, I, I don't think it, it worked, and so we got these sort of stunted half, half efforts almost, you mm-hmm. know. And and you know, like you, so I will look back at all three of these games, and I appreciate them for what they are, you know. Mm-hmm. I I've played Sonic 3D Blast on Genesis and on Saturn. I appreciate the the really sort of color enhanced, 
orchestral music uh, and, you know, there's environmental effects and all this other stuff that was added to the Saturn version, which makes it clearly heads and tails over, uh, you know, better than the Genesis version. But again, it was like, okay, this is, this is a Genesis title with a lot of very beautiful and pretty bells and whistles, but really it's a Genesis title at the end of the day, you know? Um, so I, I, I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah. But you get that music from Richard Jakes though. And which is great. Honestly, I would love to play more of it. Sonic 3D Blast mm. is a game that I really want to love and embrace and play more of, but I physically can't because the rubber banding of the camera causes me to get motion sickness within like oh, wow. 30 minutes. Bad motion sickness, like I'm going to vomit. Um, oh, wow. Not many games do that. Some some first person shooters with a narrow depth of field will do it to me. I think Alien Trilogy, when I was doing a Let's Play of that with uh, Pat and Ben, I got about three or four levels in and then I started getting really nauseated but it the onset was much slower because it wasn't as drastic this one you know how it is with Sonic 3D Blast where it kind of like bounces the camera around yep yeah yep. I don't know whatever it is That's... it gets to me really really quick and so I cannot play this game physically so I own it I have it on my shelf I take it out and look at it I'll play it I, I can play the special stage no problem but I can't really play the game and that wasn't the case believe it or not, on the Genesis. I could play the Genesis version. Wow. Yeah, I could play the Genesis version uh, for a while. I, I don't know if I ever got to a point where I started experiencing motion sickness with the Genesis version. Maybe it was the frame rate. Interesting. Maybe it was just the way that it's coded. But yeah, the, the Saturn version is tough for me. So yeah, I really want to love it more. And you know, I do like it quite a bit for what it is. It's just that I can't physically play it. You know. Wow. And you know, you had mentioned the uh, special stages. So, so this game to me, Sonic 3D Blast, is as I said earlier, it's a Genesis game with some bells and whistles. But boy, those be- bells and whistles mm. are such a tease, right? Oh. Because the music is full red book audio. So it is orchestral. It is produced so well, you know, light years ahead of what you could obviously get on the it's Genesis. Phenomenal. Yeah. phenomenal. It's a really, really good soundtrack and completely different from the uh, Genesis soundtrack. Yep. Um, and, and the second bit were the special stages, yeah. which were programmed by Sonic team. And they are, so imagine the Sonic two, you know, tube, uh, special stages and think of the best and coolest possible way to transplant that onto the Saturn. And that's what you get. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, it's essentially, you know, you've got the tube, but it's got light sourcing going on. Sonic will sometimes run through tunnels and you've get, you get this echo whenever he picks up rings or whatever. And he's in a tunnel, there's multiple like higher and lower um, paths you could take on some of the later stages. And like, it's just really, really good. There's even some transparencies. So they really, I mean, you know what I mean? So you get yeah. the main game, which is like this Genesis game and essentially, and then, and you've got these special stages where it's like, wow, this is exactly what I wanted. Right. So, so it's such a mixed bag. It's a good package overall, but you know, it's a bit of a disappointment um, because Sonic was just, you know, the, the cream of the crop on the Genesis. And so you expected the same on the Saturn, but this kind of falls short, it feels. And it was you know? kind of a, it was a tease and a bit of a slap in the face because we saw that, okay, you guys can do 3D Sonic. You know, here here's a 3D Sonic model. It's really cute. You got tails flying and you can do the tube, you know, from Sonic 2. So that works great. 
you, you know, you take the Sonic world from Sonic Jam, you know, and he's running around and mm. you got the little obstacle mm-hmm. course that you can complete and you can jump up on the different platforms and stuff like that and collect points. And there's like a little waterfall and a bridge. And so, so it's like, OK, it's not it's not impossible for you guys to model 3D Sonic. It's not impossible for you guys yep. to create a vibrant Green Hill Zone, you know, looking thing. And it's not impossible for uh, you to even, you know, get like the sense of speed and stuff. Even Sonic R did several things well, you know, and it's like if you could just mm-hmm. put all those little parts yes. together, there you go. You'd have a and and it's funny because it was really Sonic team that helped with those good parts. You know, it's like they helped with the special yep. stage. They helped with Sonic World, you know, and I mean, you so you could tell that behind the scenes, they were really trying hard to figure out how to make a 3D Sonic game on the Saturn and they yep. just weren't happy enough with whatever they'd done to basically put their mark on it and say, ship it out the door and say, this is going to be it. This is the 3D Sonic game. Mm-hmm. They put it, they'd give mm-hmm. you little teases, uh, you know, that would show us as gamers that they have no good excuse. Cause here it is. I'm seeing like all these things. If you just put them together, yes. you'd have a good 3D Sonic game. But I mean, yeah. it's not a story exclusive to Saturn. I mean, you look at something like Metroid uh, Prime 4, which has been in development for God knows how long, I don't know, six years or whatever. And it's very possible that it won't even hit switch. It'll probably end up going on to the next hardware, whatever that is, because it's like it spends so long in development hell trying to figure out how to make it work or how to make it better to the point where it's a moot point, you know, (laughs) new hardware is coming out and it's going to target that new hardware. Um, You know, Shenmue did it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. No, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. It happens in, in the industry. And then, you know, just to Sonic 3D Blast, we talked about Sonic Jam. I would agree with you. Look, and, you know, at the time with me being a teenager, I actually had to sell my Genesis in part to fund my Saturn. Mm. And so I actually didn't have these uh, Genesis games physically anymore. I've obviously since gotten them back. But um, to me, Sonic Jam was a was definitely the best of the three discs Mm -hmm. for sure. And yes, the Sonic World sort of front end museum section, it was like, what, what? There it is. There's 3D Sonic. Why can't the entire game be this way? It's good. It works. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's funny, like looking back now that I'm older, I understand how the Saturn works a little bit better. And I'm able to look at game design a little bit more critically. I look at Sonic World and I realize, okay, there are no enemies in Sonic World. So that was never implemented. Like right. that might have really messed up the the formula, firstly. And secondly, you know, you're able to sort of tell how they pulled it off, how they were using like infinite planes for, you know, the floor, and they were really able to stretch that draw distance and whatever. But but really, Sonic doesn't go too, too fast through that that 3D Sonic world. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he can't pick up speed the same way that he did during the, uh, the 2D Genesis games. And so therefore the experience would have been fundamentally different. So in retrospect, it, to me, it's very cool what they accomplished. It's, it's more of a tech demo than anything, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely during the, like back when I was a teenager and I didn't understand any of this stuff, it was like, come on Sega. Like, how are you not understanding? How did you get it so right on the Genesis? And you just can't seem to, yeah. to come anywhere close on the Saturn with the Sonic stuff. And then I'll just uh, wrap up with Sonic R, at least for my opinions, you know, so we've talked about this game before on previous casts. I've written articles about it, you know, it's love or hate. It's got a very sort of uh, interesting control scheme. If you think of it more as trying to play Wipeout, you'll do better at Sonic R. Mm. 
Um, you know, if you think of it more as a sort of hide and seek slash tag slash racing game, then it'll make more sense. If you try to approach it as a platformer, you're going to, you know, come away disappointed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, and again, you're just like, you're, you're thinking to yourself, there it is. There's Sonic working technically on, you know, in 3D on the Saturn. So it's possible. Why couldn't they just do it yeah. the other way? And so, so I think because Sega never managed to scratch people's itch for a proper Sonic, uh, a proper 3D Sonic on the Saturn, the three games inevitably carried some disappointment mm-hmm. for folks, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because they just didn't get what they wanted, despite the fact that the products themselves may have been great. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's like, uh, the amount of money that you'd have had to pay to get all three and then ultimately be kind of disappointed with every single one, yep. you know, and still be left, you know, wanting for a real Sonic game. You know, we know, of course, that mm-hmm. they were working on it. That's the thing is, it's like you said, they didn't incorporate the enemies. They really didn't get that concept of, okay, there's a 3D enemy. You can lock onto it and smash it. And then he bounces up that whole mechanic of, locking onto an enemy, mm-hmm. uh, slingshotting towards it, you know, ba- bouncing off the enemy and then locking onto another enemy would really be kind of crystallized in adventure on the Dreamcast. Right. And then, and right. then from there, it was like, okay, we know how to do this. We Moving forward, we'll put him on rails for a lot of these sections, for a lot of the really fast sections, put him on rails um, with, you know, a little bit of freedom of movement left to right. But for the most part, he's on rails and, and then give that smashing enemies mechanic and, there you go. And then for the rest of the stuff, so, you know, we'll just open it up to a more like Sonic World kind of thing and just let them run around and collect rings and stuff. So they figured it out, but it mm-hmm. took them time. And in the meantime, they made Knights and they made Burning Rangers because those were the experiences that they were able to get working on Saturn. And it was like, right, you know, in that process, I think they were like, OK, well, we can get something going on a cylinder, you know, that's 2.5D. And this is really neat, but this is not how sonic is so we have to create a different franchise you know it's going to be really divisive and then we don't want to like tarnish the sonic franchise right you know so they came up with knights and i mean so i am very thankful as a saturn fan for the things that were born out of them you know scratching their heads trying to figure out how to make a sonic game because i mean we got two really great sonic team games you know but definitely yeah definitely okay um here's another franchise that that had wonderful games on the genesis and just one entry on the saturn talking about golden axe Mm. golden axe so we had golden axe one and two and then golden axe three i believe on the genesis came out in japan and it was available maybe on sega channel like i don't think it had a physical release hmm standard release but regardless anyway so three golden axe games on the genesis you know sort of hack and slash type games uh really well received you know the on genesis they were part of the sega classics lineup or at least the first one was and so folks loved it they really appreciated it and so fairly early on in the saturn's life cycle we got golden axe the duel which was not a, you know, scrolling uh, hack and slash like the first three games were. It was more of a one-on-one fighting game because that was the rage at the time. Right. Those were really in vogue, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know. How did, do you have any thoughts on, on Golden Axe The Duel? Well, did you play it? You know, I'm so indifferent to this. <laughs> like, well, I'll <laughs> tell you, I was, I was disappointed that it wasn't a, a true Golden Axe game. So I basically paid it no mind back in the day. And subsequently, yes, I've played it and I've bought a copy. 
but I really don't know if I could tell you much about it. Like, it's so vanilla compared to like other fighting. <laughs> there are so many better better fighting games on mm-hmm. the Saturn that I would never recommend this one out of the gate. You know, it's like if you're going for a complete collection or you want to try some really more obscure fighters, then yeah, go ahead. But I mean, all I can really say to sum it up is that it's a disappointment to me that it wasn't a true Golden Axe game. Yeah, and that's pretty fair on my end of things too. And again, I think it's just like with Sonic, like folks were coming in with an expectation that I'm going to get a similar experience to what I got on Genesis, but with the 32-bit bells and whistles. And what we got instead was a very different... And maybe had the the actual 2D fighting game been like super awesome, then maybe it would have done well. Maybe it would have been like, okay, here's this great fighting game and it's Golden Axe, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But instead it was, well, here's Golden Axe and it's not the same as it was before and it's not even all that 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 good, really. Right. And I mean, you know, it's got polish, it's got charm because it was an arcade game. It ran, if I'm not mistaken, it ran on the STV board. It did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, right? Okay, so it was a pretty, you know, pretty solid conversion over to the Saturn. No issues there. But again, it, you know, the arcade original didn't exactly set the world on fire. And, you know, there's some nice little touches, those little creature things will occasionally like run across and drop a potion or whatever and you know the backgrounds are sort of based on what you may have seen in in the genesis golden axe games but again you know i think you summed it up really well it's very vanilla isn't it it's just plain there's nothing memorable about it you know what does it do that is not been done before better or that's unique you know i don't i i can't even i can't even say because i don't know the game that well like i haven't spent that much time with this game all I know is that it was a early 1995 arcade game, and um, mm-hmm. it also came out in 95 in Japan, and I believe it didn't come out until 96, like summer of 96 in North America. And by that time, it was like PlayStation had already been out for a year. Reviewers were just tanking 2D games in terms of score, you know, just because they yeah. were 2D. Yeah. You know? So it was like this was like a footnote, you know, a quiet mention in in magazines and stuff like that, because Again, it failed to, you know, really capture the heart of the series. So that's a disappointment. And then on top of that, it was 2D, which isn't inherently a bad thing. But back then it was seen as a bad thing because we were all weighting our scores based on, you know, 3D graphics. And then, of course, even as a fighter, it fails to like do anything new or unique. You know, it just basically, you know, (laughs) takes those characters and kind of puts them into a fighting game. Transplants them right into a situation that that didn't really make sense. And I mean, the fighting game that we really wanted, I would argue would be the uh, Eternal Champions. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the one that that's the one that was talked about. And that's the one that, you know, really would have maybe made a dent in the US. But instead, we got you know, Golden, Golden Axe, Axe the, the duel. Duels. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, maybe it's telling like Golden Axe was, you know, heavily mentioned and advertised in the uh, sorry, the Golden Axe series was heavily sort of mentioned and advertised during 16-bit. I mean, the first game came out as a Sega Classic edition later on for Genesis, Mm -hmm. but there was no such fanfare for the Saturn. You know what I mean? Like you said, it was a very quiet release. It wasn't all over the mags with, you know, ads and glowing reviews or whatever. It was a game that just maybe, it was like a, hey, let's try something new, and it's just something that didn't quite really work out. First of all, and second of all, you know, folks were kind of over that. They were looking for the the next big hit, which was 3D. So, yeah, you know, it's it's tragic. Yeah. Se- Sega Saturn magazine gave it an 85 okay. percent and mostly 
it was because of the uh, straight conversion. Like they, mm-hmm. they were impressed with how accurate it was to the arcade, which is no surprise because it was STV, right? Yep. So it was basically like bringing it straight over. But Next Generation just said that it was uninspired, basically. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a six. I'm just looking this up. So yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it it was really like fair to middling. Um, and then, of course, Sega Saturn Magazine gave it an 85. But then again, I think that they were also trying to, you know, get folks hyped to, you know. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah. I, can't, I can't fault them. They were passionate about the Saturn and they wanted to give every title its fair due, you know, and they, they you know, and again, you didn't have that many games coming out. So it's mm-hmm, like you had mm-hmm. to. Yeah, I would I would say though that eighty five is a bit more than it deserves. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. I agree. Um, so yeah, so poor Golden Axe, and it's a shame uh, because that was, unless I'm mistaken, there's been no new entries to that series after Golden nope. Axe: The Duel. Like that was sort of isn't it. that crazy? Yeah, like, there's a, a franchise that Sega has, you know, that has gone completely unused. You know, I don't yeah. know if they have a hard time translating it to today. Maybe they think that. I don't, I really don't know what it is, you know, that we haven't seen another game in that series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's crazy. There's these, these franchises that have just been left for dead, like Clockwork Knight, you know? Yeah, that's right. Or, uh, yeah. There are, there are a million other a mil- examples, yeah. you know, but when you go to, when you go see Sonic and you see that wall of like screenshots of all the, the Sega games, you know, and you're just like, oh, well I haven't seen like half of these in yep. <laughs> two decades, you know? Okay. Uh, next one on the list is Shinobi. So, you know, you could argue just like with Golden Axe, so three mainline Shinobi games on the Genesis. All three of mm. them did really well. Shinobi 3 is really highly regarded. So Shinobi 1. Oh, yeah. Shinobi 1 got a Sega Classics re- re-release as well on the Genesis. So, you know, again, and it's a franchise that just like Golden Axe, it started out fairly early in the Genesis life and it kind of, you know, stuck around for, for quite a while. And so, and uh-huh. just like Golden Axe the Duel, fairly early on in the Saturn's life, we got Shinobi Legions. And, you know, I, I mean, in my opinion, that actually fared a little bit better than Golden Axe the Duel. What, what do you think? Oh, sure. I love it. <laughs> I love this game. You know, and I can understand why some people are put off by it. First of all, it's got these very cheesy uh, cinematics, right? It's mm. got this, this very, these very cheesy FMBs, which I absolutely adore. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just like B movie stuff, you know, so that this is like right on my alley. But again, back in the day, I don't know how it would have played. I didn't really play Shinobi Legions in 96, 97. You know, I played it more like in the two thousands, you know, when I was picking up Saturn games mm. and I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. I don't mind the digitized character. Mm-hmm. Some people probably took issue with that. They were like, oh, why couldn't it just be hand-drawn sprites for everything? You know, they went digitized, more like Mortal Kombat. But I loved Mortal Kombat, so it wasn't a problem. I was like, okay, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shinobi's finally like a, a, you know, an actual dude, you know? And everything looks really, really nice. It was well, everything was very well done uh, about the game. It is very tough in places. And I actually discovered that Shinobi X, you know, the PAL version, is harder it just is like I did a stream side by side and I, and I streamed uh, the PAL version and just got my ass handed to me. <laughs> and then and then I booted up the U.S. version and I did so much better, like on the bosses, on everything. You know? right? So, yeah. And I don't think it was just, oh, I played for a while and I got better. No, it huh. was it was noticeably harder. Uh, Shinobi X was noticeably harder. I don't know specifically why but the music is excellent because it's a richard jakes on the on the shinobi x but honestly the music on the us or the ntsc version is also is also good yeah yeah Yeah, for sure so 
I mean, yeah. I mean, like if you can get past the digitized sprite and the cheesy FMV scenes and, and you can embrace that, then I think there's just so much to love about this game. What do you think? So I agree with virtually everything you've said. And I'm just going to maybe add that when the Saturn was current, we were teenagers. And so I had a very sort of limited palette for what I could mm. stomach as a video game for what I thought was good. And, you know, I was always going for the adrenaline hits, etc. Whereas now, of course, I look at, at it more as, you know, an art form. And so I appreciate when, you know, devs tried different mm. things, new things, whatever. And so like you, initially, I thought the FMV sequences, I was just like, what are they doing? What is this garbage? Uh-huh. Get, you know, this uh-huh. is stupid. And now I look back and I think, wow, they went all out. Like these costumes are great. You know, they like production values, like this would have been difficult to pull off, you know? So, Uh so I appreciate it way, way more now than I, than I ever did then. Um, Oh yeah. You know, I didn't get Shinobi wasn't my favorite franchise on Genesis. It just, again, I appreciate it more now than I did back then. And so Shinobi legions, or Shinobi X, or Shin Shinobi Den, if you got the Japanese version, because they all have a different right. name, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, it wasn't that high on my list of great um, Saturn games back then, but it's certainly climbed up there now. The digitized sprites, mm-hmm. I think, work because a lot of the backgrounds are very colorful, very animated. Like, it, it looks a lot, lot more vibrant than the Genesis games did, just because of the expanded um, color palette. So, yeah, like to me, this was actually a pretty good uh, transition over to the Saturn. So whereas Sonic mm-hmm. and Golden Axe haven't been, I think Shinobi did okay. And I think people are appreciating that more and more now that, that both the Genesis and the Saturn are like long gone and they're they're both retro yep. machines. So to me, it was a neat mm-hmm. continuation. I see why people may not appreciate it as, as much as the Genesis titles, but it was a lot closer in that vein than the previous mm-hmm. two games we talked about. I think at the time when all of this was contemporary, I think that we were just pretty much taking a more serious approach towards everything. Um, and when I say serious, it's just like, I don't know if we could appreciate something like the the FMB right. sequences. Right. Because for example, like uh, Sega Saturn Magazine uh, said that it plays well, but fails to make use of Saturn's capabilities and said that the uh, FMV sequences were, quote, tacky. Mm. Um, and then a Maximum Magazine, which was also a big one back then, uh, called it a disappointment. While GamePro, they were not ashamed to play 2D games. In fact, GamePro at the time loved 2D games. They gave it a rave review saying that mm-hmm. this, if you've been waiting to make a Saturn purchase, this is the game to buy. Mm-hmm. And Famitsu just reamed it. But yeah, no, EGM <laughs> gave it an 8 out of 10. And uh, Saturn Magazine gave it like 3 stars out of 5. So it's interesting. So it's a wide range of scores. You know, I I think we have to probably recognize, too, that one factor in our enjoyment of these games back then was you had to go out and pay full retail price. And, you know, that's true. Right. Whereas now, uh, let's just say that you don't. Right. Without getting Mm -hmm. into into why and how. But but yeah. and, And I mean, game prices, when you take into account inflation and all the rest of it, like games were pricey back then. You know, right. Um, so if mm-hmm. you you're going to plop down, you know, 60, 70 bucks uh, on you know, on a game based on, you know, OK, I recognize this name. I'm familiar with this franchise. I'm going to give this uh, store 70 dollars of my own hard earned money to get this game because I am, you know, you're, you're coming in with some hardcore expectations at that point. 
you know, and right. and so unless yeah. a game delivered specifically exactly, uh, you know, uh, an experience to satisfy that, um, that expectation, you, you know, you're often left sort of holding the bag, and and uh, and that's why I think Shinobi didn't maybe get universally higher reviews. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. you know, that's my thought process. Yeah. Maybe I'm not right, but that's where I'm landing. I think a good analogy for for these days would be like if you're looking at paying for a game on an eShop or or something like that, that's like 30 or $40 and you get it and it's got like those flash graphics, you know, like the, mm-hmm. all of the graphics kind of look like a flash cartoon. So it's kind of cheap. Mm-hmm. There was an example of this recently with like a magical drop. There's a new magical drop game. And rather than everything be hand-drawn sprites the way that it has been, it just kind of looks a little bit cheaper, kind of like an iPhone game, you know? And that's, I think, a modern analogy where, you know, folks kind of feel like it's a little cheaper. Back in the day when when there was a game like this that was like digitized sprites versus hand-drawn sprites, that's kind of how we would look at it is I think that there was a little bit of a stigma there because we were impressed with Mortal Kombat, but that was like, you know, 90. 91 or 92 right mm-hmm. by by this time it was like people were kind of getting uh, a little over the the digitized sprites you know yeah um, so it either had to be like really beautiful hand-drawn graphics like dragon force or it had to be you know cutting edge 3d graphics yep. in order to you know and if it was something like this digitized sprites i think it kind of you know it felt cheap yes and you know what that's probably why fmv games sort of fell out of favor because it was like, okay, mm-hmm. this isn't hand drawn, and this isn't cutting edge three D. It's just some actor, you know, and they're they're filming actors on a uh, on a background, and that's all it is. Whereas now, I appreciate those games a lot more, right? Um, right, exactly. But yeah, back then, it just there was no appetite for that sort of thing. Yeah, and you mentioned that with our last cast that we did uh, about uh, Corpse Killer and how much we're able to appreciate it for multiple things these days. Mm-hmm. That back then, I think if just taking it at face value we were judging it much more seriously and right. it just didn't check the boxes. Yep. I mean, I still, I, I still don't forgive it for not having light gun support, but, <laughs> but I mean, but yes, I, I can appreciate it much more now than I, than I did back then for sure. Definitely. All right. The next, uh, uh, franchise, and I'm not sure that you can call it a franchise. There was one entry on the Genesis, one entry right. on the Saturn. And that is, uh, you know, so in Japan and in PAL territories, it's, it's known as the story of Thor. And mm-hmm. here in North America on the Genesis, it was beyond Oasis. And then on the Saturn, we got the legend of Oasis. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a 2d top down sort of, I mean, it's got similarities to, to Zelda possibly, but it's not like, it's more of an action game. Uh, you know, there's a lot more emphasis on, you know, uh, jumps and, and fighting moves, uh, cause there's real time. That's true. Right. Yeah. You Much, don't jump in Zelda. <laughs> no, no. So, so it's more of an, it's think of it as a, as a sort of action version of a Zelda game with more action and maybe less of the Zelda elements. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm yeah. doing that justice, but it was quite well received on the Genesis for an RPG and the Genesis wasn't really known you know, as an RPG love, uh, uh, machine, that was definitely something the Super Nintendo had had over the Genesis. Um, and then it came over on the Saturn, and what I recall is being super excited at the time. Mm-hmm. And I got this game, and to me, it was a dream. It was everything I'd wanted it to be. 
However, in the press, it was very much, well, you know, it's okay, but it's just basically a Genesis game with extra colors. Right. And I mean, I don't know what's... Which it's not. Which, no, I don't think so either. But that, you know, so it's, it, that, that's, that's just what, what the, you know, how the press interpreted at the time. And I mean, I don't know. So, so talk to me about your experiences with, with the Oasis games. Right. Um, so yeah, it is an action role-playing game. It does actually feel, you know, kind of, uh, it feels kind of Zelda-y to me, (laughs) but Mm -hmm, for, mm -hmm. for a few reasons, you know, certain item collecting to get further in the game in certain areas and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, it, it's got it's definitely got its own flavor. It's, it's got its own unique art style, and um, some some of the things in there are definitely like unique to this game. I feel like the music is amazing, and mm-hmm. the hand drawn graphics are amazing. Um, it's unique enough that it has its own personality rather than feeling completely like a copy of something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just flies under the radar for a lot of people. You know, it's like Saturn fans know folks that collect for the system or are you know kind of more plugged in i think that more average joe fans probably overlook this game or just don't realize how good it is because it's definitely Mm -hmm. i i don't want to call it like a hidden gem i don't even like that term but i mean it's not as talked about as some of the other games on the system you know i don't know why that is but yeah it's it's really good i love the fighting mechanics honestly like uh even you can see in the very first uh battle that first boss battle where you're kind of in the knee high water and you're jumping over the yes. enemy waves, you know, and you're, and you're firing off shots and stuff. And it's, so it's very, it's almost like a puzzle battle, you know, trying to figure out the boss and stuff. And um, I really appreciate the, the controls are tight. Mm-hmm. You never feel like it's cheap because of like bad platforming. It's more like on you if, if you do well or if you do poorly. But yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. You could probably say more about this game than I than I could. I just know that it, it's it's fun. Both games are fun, you know. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's just not not my favorite game on the Saturn, but it, it's a good one. Do you know that it's it's in? I would say in my top five uh, of Saturn games. Is that right? I really really like Legend of Oasis, and I know that there aren't mm. very many people who feel the way I do, but. You know, there is, so first of all, the hand-drawn graphics are gorgeous. Um, yeah. There is a puzzle slash Metroidvania element to the game. So as you yes. get power-ups and as you acquire spirits, you're able to access areas and places that you couldn't before. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's like a gem collecting component to the uh-huh. game where the more gems you collect, the higher power your uh, spirits become. And especially towards the end where you're really starting to collect some of the last gems, you know, you have to employ all of the skills you've learned. You have to make use of a lot of the spirits you've collected. So so from that perspective, it is very much, um, it's got some, some Metroidvania uh, overtones for sure. Um, and the music by Yuzo Koshiro. Oh, man. You oh. know, so unlike most games... The music is, it's a, it's a lot more sort of atmospheric and, the, you know, there are periods of time where the music cuts out entirely or you've got just uh-huh. like one tone playing here and there and then it ramps up into something super sort of epic and orchestral. Like it's really unusual. It was an unusual soundtrack to a game, and but it just works. It gives the game this like feeling of it being a fable almost. Like a yes. like a myth, you know that that's been sort of 
told and retold and passed down. That's the feeling that this game gets for me. And it's funny because on the Genesis, you didn't have, you know, the the, the sound chip power that the Saturn has. And so the, the music wasn't obviously nearly as, as good as it could be, I guess. And then the other thing I want to just say real quick is on the Genesis, there was a lot more inventory management in the game. So as you collected items and fruits and whatever else, they went into an mm-hmm. inventory and your inventory could only hold so many items. And so, you know, there was a, just like any other RPG, there was like an inventory component to it. But on the Saturn, they did away with that completely. When you pick items up, like, you know, that restore health or magic, you you just, it, they just get used up immediately as you pick them up. You cannot store them. So they got rid mm-hmm. of that component and they, you know, and, and you could argue that the, fighting mechanic was refined so it became less rpg i guess and more of a action game that looks like an rpg i guess right right um but yeah you know to me it's just it's fantastic the the story is also quite minimal but it's it's just satisfying enough that you want to keep playing you know Hmm. and it's just it's cool i i can't say enough about it the and you know the the 2d hand-drawn art it just gorgeous just gorgeous when did you first play this game uh i would say within a few months of release so, so you you've got serious nostalgia for this yeah yeah there definitely is but it's just like a lot of my saturn sort of nostalgic memories this game kind of flew under the radar you know mm-hmm. like folks didn't really yeah. give it the time of day and maybe it didn't help that the uh north american cover art was i mean it was bad <laughs> You know, right, like the yeah. cover just wasn't, it didn't do the game justice. It wasn't great, yeah. I'm not saying this is a rose-colored glasses kind of thing. It's, I think it's objectively a good game for mm-hmm, sure, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I think if anybody looks at it and does like a, a, a real playthrough and is judging it on all of its uh, merits, I think that it, it comes out uh, favorably. But I'm just saying like it's one of those things where I do think that your personal nostalgia plays into why it's so high on your list you know what i mean oh probably when there are so many like absolutely stellar games on the saturn yeah, you know yeah, yeah that it scores so high i mean tomb raider is also one of those games that you're just incredibly fond of right and i mean tomb raider is actually really good I, I i do think that it is and the music is phenomenal but you place it higher than i think some people do mm-hmm. even subsequently you know i'm not ashamed to say that certain games I score higher personally because of my nostalgia, you know, Mm. because I have really strong personal memories attached to it. And it just made such a big impact on me back in the day. And that's carried on, you know, Um, I'm every time I fire it up, I get good feelings playing it, you know, because it reminds me of how great it was to play it as a teenager. I think you might be right there, Dave, it probably is a very strong sort of nostalgic factor that's driving this game higher than most folks would rate it. But I just will say this one last thing. I think Legend of Oasis is an acquired taste. It is not Mm. a game for a mainstream Saturn player. You know what I mean? Right. It's just a little Mm -hmm. bit too far out there, Um, especially the, the music implementation will definitely throw people and it takes a long while to really kind of get into it, I think, uh, and really, right. really appreciate it. So I don't, I'm not sure that, I think it's an acquired taste. I'm not sure that it's, uh, uh, you know, aimed at a uh, hardcore sort of mass market player. And that could be why it flew under the radar. Kind of like Monster World 4, you know, on the, on sure. the Genesis, yep. you know, like it's, it's wonderful game. You recognize like music, graphics, everything, gameplay mechanics, and so, that it's a wonderful game. And yet even subsequently, 
it's still kind of a cult classic. It's, it's an acquired taste, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. But I mean, I think that this has some of the same vibes, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. Um, I think that it's a great game and right. it's a beautiful game. Um, okay. I will move us on to the next franchise that made it over to Saturn. And this is, I think one that we're both going to speak highly about, and that is shining force. So, mm. The first two Shining Force games, and we got, okay, so I got to, maybe I'll back up a little bit. The Shining franchise has almost like two sets of entries. There's the Shining Force entries, which are the, you know, uh, SRPG overhead, you know, huge party type games. And then there, there's every other Shining game. And I'm talking about like the corridor, like the dungeon crawlers, there's Shining Wisdom, whatever. But the, the Shining Force games... Um, the mainline ones, we've got Shining Force and Shining Force 2 on the Genesis and then Shining Force 3 on the Sega Saturn. Um, right. You know, I loved Shining Force on the Genesis. I thought Shining Force 2 took it to another level in yeah. polish, in gameplay, and, and everything. It was, it was like, in my opinion, like comparing uh, the difference between Sonic 1 and Sonic 2. Sonic 1 was mm. great, but then by the time Sonic 2 came out, it was like, okay, wow, this is, right. you know, this is a significant leap forward. And that's how I felt between Shining Force 1 and 2. And then late in the Saturn's life, we got Shining Force 3. And oh What about my. Shining Force CD? Yeah, and then there's Shining Force CD. That's true on the, on the Sega CD, Mega CD. Um, and that is a compilation of a couple of... I believe Game Gear games originally, but you know, like remastered and and right. you know done up. So you're not getting you're not getting what is essentially an eight bit game. You're getting something that looks much mm-hmm. better. Um, so yeah, and then so so you're right. I'm glad you mentioned it. So Shining Force one and two and CD, and then eventually on the Saturn we got Shining Force three. But Shining Force three came late. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a massive improvement, right, between one and two. Mm-hmm. I mean when you see that opening cinematic, you know, and you hear that music, you know, and you're greeted with the title screen of Shining Force 3, you just know that you're about to play a great game and it doesn't disappoint. No, no. That's, you know, so again, looking from Shining Force 2 to Shining Force 3, like you knew that the battle sequences would probably be in 3D and of course they are. And it's almost as if Camelot, uh, or Sonic Software Planning, as they were known back then, they really studied all of the different sort of visual uh, effects that the Saturn could pull off, and they they use them all. You know, oh yeah. There's there's layers and 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 scrolling backgrounds, and VDP two uh, is being used a lot. You know, the effects are just phenomenal, and the camera rotates, and so the three D is great. I also love the way that the sort of overworld, uh, you know, the, the grid-like overworld was implemented because that, you know, becomes a fully rotatable 3D playing field in Shining Force 3. And right. the story is so much more, I guess, mature, you could say, or nuanced oh, yeah. maybe is another way to say it, than, than the previous two games. And again, so we're going from strength to strength to to strength, right? Where each mm-hmm. new iteration is a significant leap over the other one in all the right ways, 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and to say nothing of the fact that Shining Force 3 in its entirety is a huge game, huge, mm-hmm. huge game, you know, span, uh, separated into three scenarios. We only got one and it, it was it was literally the last first party uh, Saturn game that came out here in North America. It was one of the last in Europe, but but yeah, it came just way too late. And so very few people got it. There were very few copies pressed, but oh my goodness, am I ever glad that I picked it up. It's just, it was so phenomenal. Um, I know you love this game. Like, like I know I you love this game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to know, like, did you play Shining Force 1 and 2 when uh, back in the day, firstly? And secondly, you know, how did Shining Force 3 meet your expectations when you first played it. Okay. So I didn't play Shining Force 1. Mm. Shining Force. Not originally. I mean, yeah, subsequently, but I didn't play it originally. I played Shining Force 2 at a friend's house, and I was very impressed with it. Mm. And subsequently, um, and I think I've been, I think I've gone on record saying this, that back when I was importing Saturn Magazine, and um, I was kind of looking at screenshots in magazines and stuff, because that's what we had. We didn't in the early internet as well. But um, I was not really fond of the, you know, the kind of janky 3D graphics, to be honest with you, when I saw the battle sequences. And again, I was judging this based on, you know, what I had seen on the Genesis with these beautiful hand-drawn graphics, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. beautiful hand-drawn sprites. And then going over to something that, from screenshots looked a little bit more clunky, you know? Right. Like, I like to say that Shining Force 3 is a game that looks really good in motion. You know, I I don't feel like it screenshots so well at times, but it looks amazing in motion, you know? You just have to play it and see it. Um, Some of the, you know, when you're in the towns and stuff like that or on the, on the the map, some of the sprites are scaled quite a bit, you know, because it does have this scaling feature where you're able to zoom out and see the whole map or you're able to zoom in. And so some of the sprites are kind of scaled and interpolated or whatever. And sometimes they can look a little grainy compared to like a hand-drawn sprite in a 16 bit game, you know? Um, But if you're willing to forgive that and just kind of use your imagination and that all these little sprites are like the characters that you see in the avatar when they're, in the avatars when they're talking, you know, um, just to spend a little bit of disbelief, you know, it actually does end up being a really good looking game. It's grown on me. The look of the game has grown on me immensely mm-hmm. from back in the day. So yeah, it's not one that I actually played immediately uh, when I was actual, when the Saturn was viable. Um, actually the Saturn wasn't viable when it was released in the West. <laughs> it was, it was literally the last second game, but, but that said, I, I, so yeah, I didn't really play it until like the mid two thousands. Um, but immediately it hooked you like the story is so political mm-hmm. and it's got so much intrigue and it's, and I just love that. It was like a breath of fresh air because I'd played so many final fantasy games where it's like save the princess or, uh, you know, there's some kind of love interest or love story which is fine, but it ends up resulting in a bunch of dialogue that I didn't care about. Yeah. Yep. Like and this, it's like, you know, when there's dialogue, I'm like paying really close attention because I'm like, this is like Game of Thrones kind of stuff where there's like all these different factions and there's uh, all these different generals and some are like betraying others. And so, so yeah, it's just, it's a really mature story, like you said, um, but it was a, exactly what I 
you know wanted in mm-hmm. a, in an mm-hmm. RPG. So and and then the actual strategy is fantastic, and and the battle mechanic is fantastic, and you know the way that you have to get maps for like these ruins you know and then you go in with certain characters and you want to like block off the entrances and make sure that the bandits open the chests but then you have to you know like there's there's strategy in all of it you know and it's really satisfying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i've got a a funny personal story with this game so towards the end of the saturn's life you could no longer find new releases at any of the uh, usual stores, at least up mm-hmm. here in Canada. And I'm speaking for, you know, in Calgary, you couldn't towards the end there. And so there was a specialty video game uh, shop that I frequented a lot back then. And, you know, I'd gotten quite uh, to know the owner quite well. And, uh, you know, anytime there was a game that was coming, he would order it for me. So, you know, I got Panzer Dragoon Saga through him. I got Burning Rangers through him. And I got Shining Force 3 through him. And so Mm -hmm. I gave it a try right away when I got it. And so that was, you know, within weeks of release. I'm sure it came into the shop. I picked it up. And Mm -hmm. I had an incredibly difficult time getting through the first battle. I just couldn't beat that first battle. Because you start out with so few hit points, right? And if you're, especially Uh if your leader dies, it's immediately game over. And right. so even though it looked interesting, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just shelf this for a while because I'm not making any headway and I'm just getting frustrated. Meanwhile, I had a friend who was a big Shining Force fan, probably bigger than me at the time. And mm-hmm. I said to him, well, yeah, I've got Shining Force 3 on the Saturn. And he, like, just, like Shining Force 2 was his favorite game. He wanted it. So I sold it to him. Um, mm-hmm. for the exact same cost that I, that I ended up getting it from, from the shop initially. And so, um, he played it and didn't like it quite as much as Shining Force 2. And so mm. just a few months later, I ended up buying it back from him. So, Is that right? yeah. And so, so to this day, what I own that copy. So it's the only game I have where I was both the original owner as well as buying the exact same copy again secondhand. So it's it basically just, rented it from you. <laughs> essentially, because it's funny. So the price I paid to the store was the same price I charged him. And then he charged me that exact same price back too. So, so yeah, in oh a way God. it was kind of, it's kind of like a like free rental for him, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Right. But it's just, it's that, that's my sort of weird, neat memory that's attached to, to Shining oh Force God. 3. And um, I guess the other sort of nostalgic bit uh, uh, to this game with me is when I finally finished Shining Force 3 and I I got pulled into that story. Like I needed to know what would happen next. But of course, the, the next two scenarios wow. weren't translated. It isn't like it is now. There was no Google Translate. There was no easy way to, right. you know, you couldn't, we didn't have the tools even to extract the script for years and years exactly. after. So it, it was locked to Japan, locked to the Saturn. But it was the series that ultimately got me into importing. My very first import was hmm. Scenario 2 and 3. And then following immediately after that, it was the premium disc 
right? Oh, wow. Got them Dedication. all super cheap. I think it was the year either 2000 or 2001. There's, you know, uh-huh. and, you know, once that door opened to importing, of course, it was like oh, the Saturn just got a second lease of, yeah, exactly, precisely. Yeah. So, so to me, this is a very important game, you know, in my wow sort of Saturn experience or Saturn journey. And as a game in and of itself, it's it's like you mentioned, once you get into it, and, and yes, look, in the 2020s, it the 3D looks a little primitive, of course, and, and you know, somewhat janky, I guess. But if you really get yourself into that Saturn mindset or that mood, that 1990s uh, vibe, uh-huh. it's really a gorgeous game. The art direction is fantastic. You know, there are yeah. obviously RPG elements to the game, but they're kept kind of on the lighter side. There's more of a, yeah. you know, it's a faster pace almost to it. And yet, yes, it's got a, a pretty complex story with a whole lot of characters and, and storyline threads that are sort of weaving in and out. And, you know, and playing that first scenario, you really get a sense that, okay, there's more going on here than than is being, yeah. you know, revealed to me. So. Yeah, to me, it's it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal game. I hold this game just slightly behind Nights into Dreams as my all time best uh, Saturn experience. So it's yeah, it's close, right? It's I mean, yeah, it's close. That's saying a lot too, since I know how much you like Nights into Dreams. But mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would say yeah, you're right. It is it is way up there. I, I think this this one is definitely in my top five for sure. And it's funny. Um, the only thing that I would say, uh, you know, against it is that it was kind of poorly localized. You know, I mean, they've they've definitely tweaked subsequently. You know, fans have tweaked mm-hmm. the translation. You know, mm-hmm. and then also they've they kind of wrapped it up, wrapped that first scenario up for us because they didn't have any plans on giving us the subsequent scenarios. So it was like they tried to make it a self-contained story which only made it kind of confusing, you know? Sure. Um, so of course that's been, that's been, you know, remedied by the, the fan translation. And then on top of that, it had some really <laughs> questionable voice acting, uh, yes. which now, which I admit, I love the, you know, bear my Arctic blast, you know? <laughs> but I mean, come on, like, Back in the day, you know that you heard that and you're like, did they just like get the janitor to come in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. They got like the they got like like the office runner to like sit in and read some lines or something. But you know what? It so like uh, Dan Teres's voice in English is really good, you know, but most yes. of them are terrible. Yes, it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. And Symbios is like when he does talk, the few times that he does, you know, yes, uh, it's kind of funny sounding. And then, of course, you know, most of the time it's just dot, dot, dot. Yes. Which yes. I can tell you, I played so many Japanese RPGs back in the day that 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 silly dot, dot, dot has worked its way into my writing to the point where people have criticized me for it. they're like. David, you use too many ellipses in your writing. And I'm, uh, saying, uh, I'm sorry. I just, I've played too many JRPGs. That's hilarious. <laughs> so that whenever, whenever I have a thought that trails off or that it's incomplete, I always use ellipsis. And it's so unprofessional when, when it comes to like writing for a paper or whatever, or writing for our magazine. But it just creeps into my writing all yep. the time. Yep. And I can totally <laughs> see that. Totally and I'm it. a product of that. I'm a product of 90s JRPGs. <laughs> Do you know when I first played the subsequent scenarios in English, like once the translation was to a state where you could, you know, burn a disc and play it on real hardware, 
when I first played Scenario 2, there's a scene where the first scene where uh, Symbius and, and Median meet each other and you see Symbius speak because now you're, of course, playing Scenario 2. It was such a, th- right. you know, it just throws you, right? It just, it was weird. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just maybe mention one last thing from my experience with this game. Because I needed to know how the story unfolded and whatever, of course, I imported the games. I played through them all the way through to conclusion just in Japanese. So I was kind of, you know, getting the gameplay experience, but the story was lost on me, obviously. Um, But then I came across, there was a team of translators. They called themselves themselves the Espinia team. And they mm-hmm. took it upon themselves to translate Shining Force 3. Now, they were not at the point where they could insert that text into the game. But, you know, there was a script that was online that you could right. download mm-hmm. and, and and follow. Now, again, remember, this is before the days of having, you know, iPads or anything like that. So, you know, you couldn't take your, you know, giant tube CRT computer monitor and sit it next to you to read the script as you're playing this game. That was not possible. So what I did is I ended up printing the script on paper and, and Dave, each scenario, scenario two and three, each took a three Mm -hmm. inch binder full of paper. Like I cannot believe how many trees I cut (laughs) down metaphorically, of course, Mm -hmm. to print these translations. It was absolutely massive but i just i needed Uh to know what was being said right and yes of course eventually i played the game where you know the text was reinserted back in and and you know that's the definitive way to play it of course but yeah it's just i mean can you you believe how much work that is oh consider how much text that is (laughs) like how much work that would be to to insert all of that into the game and oh my god this trilogy translation has spanned decades decades yes you know and still going on they're still they're still patching it they're still updating it speaks to the dedication and the love of this game and the franchise you know definitely definitely and you know of course the great the grand shame of it all is there is no shining force 4 this team Mm. no longer like the recent shining games are not produced by this team and again just they went on to do the golden sun games for yes yes and those were not I got those you know but I didn't like them nearly as much no like you could tell that there was some influences there but uh yeah it was a different direction for sure and the subsequently mm-hmm. released um like future shining games that sega put out i'm not even sure which teams would have worked on them but they they in my opinion had nothing on shining force right. one two or three like you know those were just yeah. the best so so i mean if somehow you have looked at this game and said no i don't think that's for me or you've just slept on it somehow <laughs> you really need to do yourself a favor and play uh, at least the first scenario. And I, I swear it'll get you its hooks into you, you know, because it's just that good and good games. Like when it's this good and I think everybody kind of agrees how good it is, uh, you know, there's something that you're going to enjoy in it for sure. So Definitely. folks really need to play it. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, okay. The last sort of, I'm not sure that you can call it a franchise, but we'll call it a genre. I want to talk about mm. sports games in general, um, on the Genesis versus sports games on the Saturn. So, so really, as much as you could argue that Sonic made the Genesis in the West, you could make a similar argument that sports games made the Genesis in the West. Mm. You know, at Mm. the time, Sega put out some really awesome sports games, and they got 
you know, uh, uh, celebrities to endorse them and be featured in them, mm-hmm. you know, so whether it was Mario Lemieux hockey, and I always go to hockey first, I guess mm-hmm. that betrays mm-hmm. where I'm from. Um, or you had um, Joe Montana football, or you had like, you know, there were, there were a ton of um, sports games by Sega that were good for the most part. And then, then EA came in and EA had their amazing games as well. So sports yeah. were a huge thing on the Genesis. There was no shortage of sports games and they were big sellers. So, you know, they were, yeah. you know, the Sega sports brand was, was a big brand. It was well-recognized, et cetera. Of course, EA had their thing and you could always tell because the EA boxes were never really branded with the Genesis branding and their cartridges looked weird compared to the, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, um, uh-huh. and there's a whole story behind why that is that we're not going to get into here. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but then came the Saturn and, you know, it took forever to get a football game. The right. initial, um, games were like golf and hockey and arguably that hockey game that first came out wasn't, you know, it wasn't even a good choice to maybe have hockey as your leading sports title. So, so uh-huh. things kind of fell off it seems like on the Saturn and they never really got back to the same caliber I guess or at least the same quantity even as as on the Genesis and that's not to say that there aren't good Saturn sports games because I think there are but if you had to recommend a sports system to somebody between the Genesis and Saturn I'm not sure that I would recommend the Saturn really I mean uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) i have to be honest with you i really didn't play sports games on the genesis okay um i mean first of all i wasn't buying my own games back then Mm -hmm. my parents were getting you know and and so if i had to ask for a game for christmas or something like that you know i was focusing on the cream of the crop stuff you know like streets of rage or even aladdin that kind of thing you know like a lot of a lot of the games on genesis there's so many great games on the genesis if i'm being honest and and the sports games are great but again like I said, it, it, games came were few and far in between, so I just kind of focused on platformers and shooters and stuff like that and brawlers. Did play NBA Jam on the Genesis, and that was great. Great arcade conversion, you know, all things considered. Super Monaco GP as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So like Super Monaco, so racing games I loved, you know. Super Monaco GP and, uh, and NBA Jam on the Genesis, but really didn't experience much else. Then when it came to the Saturn, you know, because... Of course, the system itself got steeply discounted and then, you know, axed from the market altogether and games just became really cheap. The ones that were out there and sports games were plentiful, right? So it was mm-hmm. easy to pick up sports games for cheap, so, which is why I did kind of experience more sports games on the Saturn. And I would argue that this is like one of those genres that goes incredibly overlooked by a lot of game fans that just they, they swear off sports games altogether. It's like, oh, I don't play sports games um, for, you know, because I don't like sports or mm-hmm. because they all they there's this thought that they're all the same, you know, which they're totally not. It really depends on the developer, as you and I know, you know, of one course, yeah. you have one hockey game that's that's insanely great because the developer did such a great job on it. And it could be an older hockey hockey game than a newer version yep. that, you know, maybe like EA puts out but it doesn't have as much spit and polish on it as the, you know, the one that the, the older company did, but you know, hockey was actually really popular in the grunge era uh, because it was coming right off the heels of like the mighty ducks. Uh, Yes. Yes. And so I do think that back then hot, it was like, 
trends, they flip flop, you know, and it's like, so there have been eras in where baseball has been more popular and then eras where like kids or kids and teens are not really into baseball. You know, football's always been pretty popular, you know, Mm -hmm. American football, but you're right. We didn't get a good football game until later with like the Madden series. And even then it's just, it's good, but it's not great. Mm -hmm. Um, And we really wouldn't get a great football game until the Dreamcast with the, like the 2k series. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I liked the hockey games on the Saturn, uh, the, the power play uh, games, which they also got on, uh, on PlayStation loved the racing game. Saturn is just a treasure trove of great racing games. Daytona, Sega rally, virtual rate, VR virtual racing. Um, there's more, there's like Manx TT super bike. So if you consider racing games, sports games, Mm -hmm. Yes, you've got those. Um, the baseball games are amazing. You know, uh, yeah. World Series Baseball, World Series Baseball 2, World Series Baseball 98, all amazing games, fun to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, so you don't you wouldn't recommend Saturn as a as a sports console? You know, OK, so let me maybe quantify that. So on their own, there are a lot of good sports games on the Saturn. There's just more variety, more quality on the Genesis in the aggregate. Okay. But you're right. Sure. Like the World Series baseball franchise came over really nicely from Genesis to Saturn. Mm-hmm. They were great on Genesis. They were just as great on Saturn. Uh, mm-hmm. Football, which was amazing on Genesis, tanked on the Saturn. I mean, EA put out a couple of Madden games and those were good. But the actual right. Sega produced stuff, no, no, it wasn't. No, no, that it was terrible, right? Yeah. Um, but then you know, newer franchises rose up on the Saturn, like the worldwide soccer games were fairly well received. Like those, oh, yeah. those did just I, fine, right? Yeah. Um, um, 97, 97 is great. Ninety eight is good too. It's just kind of more of the same with a newer roster. Mm-hmm, um, and so. Hockey it was excellent on the Genesis. You had a lot of EA games. You had uh, the Sega uh, NHL All-Star Hockey games slash series, and those were good on the Genesis. It was very hit and miss on the Saturn. Um, the first NHL All-Star Hockey was, you know, not the best. Uh, the second NHL All-Star Hockey on the Saturn was excellent, but that's because Sega ended up getting uh, the guys that did power play to essentially rebrand power play and pump Absolutely. it out. Uh, yep. So that mm-hmm. was, that was good. Uh, the, EA, the EA games are, mm, you know, there are performance issues with them, like frame rate issues and whatever. So, so to me, it just was more of a consistent experience, I guess, on the Genesis, but that's not to say that there weren't some pretty awesome uh, yeah. sports games on the Saturn. I think, yeah, I think maybe I'm not the right person to talk about it because um, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really play a lot of sports games on the Genesis, which is a shame because as you say, it was, that was like, it's bread and butter to us, to an extent in the West, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and um, really accounted for a lot of its sales, you know, sports games. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I just didn't, you know, like I played a lot of like the mainline series and and didn't really get into sports games until later, but I'm glad that I did, you know, because there's a lot to love. A couple other racers are Sega touring car championship, which some people like, some people don't. I I personally like it. Um, Mm -hmm. You also had games like uh, Pebble beach golf links, great golf game, kind of demanding, you know, a little, little harder. And the one thing I really wish, I wish we had gotten a more, you know, cartoony style golf game or more arcadey style golf game sure. on Saturn, which I don't feel like we really did. I mean, they had hot shots golf on the PlayStation, 
which I absolutely adored that series. Um, and I just wish that we had got some kind of arcadey golf game on the Saturn. Uh, you had, you know, Neo Turf Masters on the Neo Geo, which was amazing. And then you had the Hot Shots. So we did get, um, what was it, Valora Valley Golf, which yes. is kind of a funny take on, on you know, Pebble Beach. But again, it's still kind of hard. You know? yeah. Like it's not, it's, it's not that it's an arcadey style golf game. It's just like got a funny looking skin to it, you know, but not the same as, you know, like a Mario Golf kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like if there had been a Sonic golf game, I'd have just ate that up. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, arguably basketball on the Saturn was pretty good. Uh, both EA's NBA Live series was competent and uh, Sega's own NBA Action series was good. Yeah, um, that's I have fair. Both NBA Live 98 and NBA Action uh, 98 are both great basketball games if, if you like basketball. Obviously, they've aged sure. <laughs> compared to what people are used to now, but... Uh, still really good. It's uh, NBA Action 98 was done by Visual Concepts, which went on to do the 2K games on Dreamcast. Right, exactly. So, yeah. you know, it was like a bit of a proving ground. So if you think that the 2K games are quality on Dreamcast, and they are, then, mm-hmm. you know, you work your way backwards and NBA Action 98 is pretty good. So, yeah, that's a good good call out. Yeah, I'm just looking at my shelf to see if there's anything we're missing in terms of sports. I mean, we did of course have decathlete and, and winter, winter heat. heat. Yeah, those were and great. And those are sports as well, you know, Olympic sports and uh, you know, great games, kind of a button button mashers or you know, where it's all about timing in a lot of the events. You really have to just, you know, time it and then punch the button and then, you know, you can you get your jump higher or whatever, but, uh, and, and the landing is also very important, but yeah, those are games that, uh, are also really good in the sports genre. I don't know. Is there anything else that we're missing from centering centering boxing is often overlooked title. It's, it's a pretty, like, uh, there's a lot going on there. Actually. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, variables that you're able to change and adjust, you know, in order to, uh, groom like the perfect fighter. But it, again, it's one that has, I think not aged that great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, maybe that's, that's the reason though, is, you know, like this was 3d was new. So anything that went 3d was really in a new, and I'm going to use this in a new ballpark. And so, ballpark. you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, had to do it but yeah so you know so they maybe haven't aged well but at the time they would have been you know uh okay and so long as the gameplay was there i mean ultimately that that's what wins mm-hmm. wins fans over mm-hmm. right so that's what wins yeah. when championships it comes to, i'm sorry when it, sorry. I'm when sorry. it comes to you are terrible <laughs> uh when it comes to that whole like sports ga- i avoid sports games kind of stigma that a lot of uh you know mainstream gamers do they, they just kind of overlook sports games uh sometimes you can overlook a game that you think is a typical sports game like F1 racing. Mm-hmm. F1 racing could just from the name could be like a really boring kind of uh sim style racer, but actually, as it turns out, it's more of an arcadey style and it's, it's got amazing music um, and it's got really good arcadey style control. And yes, there are a couple things that you can tweak to kind of uh, you know, make it your own. You you can tweak like the airfoil on and you can tweak the amount of gas and the tires that you use. Yes. But ultimately it is much more like an arcade style racer mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people just avoid just because it's called F1. Either you're like a huge F1 fan and you gravitate towards it 
or you're one of those people that just avoids sports games. And I think that it's one that people really need to check out because it's a cheap game. Like for a long box, it's like a 10 or $15 game that I think is well worth it. Yeah, it's a good game. You're right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm thinking that we need to wrap this cast up with is there if there was one franchise that was on the genesis that you would have loved to have seen on the saturn what would it be um well sonic <laughs> like yeah I, yeah i, think I mean that, yeah. yeah i mean it not sonic notwithstanding you know because obviously that was like the wanted a real sonic game on the saturn but i think i would have to say streets of rage and mm. it uh you know there was that game the fighting force was it or yep uh yep yeah so which i think did come out on playstation right um yep as as another title i think right it did yes and then there was a finding force 2 on dreamcast later right and i mean i don't think that it was as good as the you know first party sega uh you know streets of rage games but it was a it was nonetheless it was like a 3d brawler Mm -hmm. in the vein of streets of rage and i mean i loved streets of rage um my brother and I loved the Ninja Turtles games, you know, mm-hmm. that were like brawlers, you know, like the arcade Ninja Turtles, the arcade game on the NES and, and uh, you know, Turtles in Time on the SNES. And we loved Streets of Rage because we liked that kind of like walking brawler where you're picking up uh, power ups and just laying waste to like whole whole gangs of, <laughs> of baddies. And so, yeah, that was one thing that I really wanted on uh, on the Saturn. We did kind of. Get, yeah, I don't really. I can't think of a, a good brawler other than like um, Guardian Heroes is somewhat similar to that kind of thing. It's like a kind of an RPG brawler. Yeah, no, not not really. But uh, Die Hard but Arcade, I mean, again, maybe Die Die Hard Arcade. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's fair. That's fair. Die Hard Arcade is probably the closest thing that we would get to kind of like a Streets of Rage mm-hmm, with some like mm-hmm. quick time events thrown in there and stuff. But I mean, yeah, for the most part. I really wanted a Streets of Rage game. Nice, nice. Didn't really get that. Um, for me, I would say the Echo series. You know, oh, again, yeah. acquired taste. It's not a game for yeah. everybody on Genesis or on Dreamcast for that matter. Love, love, mm-hmm. loved the Echo games. And I really mm-hmm. wanted one on uh, on Saturn, never got one. Ultimately, there was a an Echo game that came out on Dreamcast, which looked amazing. But again, folks uh, saying this is a hard game. It's very difficult, very sort of vague and whatever. And I ate it up. Mm -hmm. I played it all the way through with no guides or anything. And I just loved it. So it was a Hmm. shame to me not to see Echo on the Saturn. I think a 2D Echo on the Saturn would have been really, really cool. But, you know, it is what it is. Like 3D was in vogue. And, you know, a 3D Echo on the Saturn, I don't think would have worked. So. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so Saturn really was a case of them kind of going in a complete opposite direction in terms of franchises. And, you know, we they introduced so many new franchises with the Saturn that mm-hmm. we wouldn't hear from again <laughs> subsequently, you know. Yep. And um, again, you know, that was just kind of Sega's deal, I guess. Subsequently, when you look at it, it was like they just kept flip flopping direction. You know, they built up all these you know, well-loved franchises on the Genesis. Then when it went into the Saturn, they went in a completely different direction, built up all these franchises and people kind of that at least, you know, that bought in were like, okay. And, and really fell in love with those franchises. And then when the Dreamcast came, 
just completely scrapped it and went again in another direction, you know, albeit with Sonic, you know, several great games on the Dreamcast, of course. But uh, that's why I think, you know, it's like you can have folks who kind of gravitate towards one system or another over the others yes. because that'll be like that sweet spot where they really fell in love with all those franchises and you can't really get a whole lot of it on any other platform. I mean, granted, we're both huge Sega fans and we love all three platforms. Um, but, you know, it's like uh, if you really loved all the Saturn franchises, you don't get a whole lot of that elsewhere. No, that's very true. Well said. Mm-hmm. But this was, yeah, this was a really fun topic to sort of explore. Um and maybe, you know, it was a little bit biased of me to introduce it, maybe having just gotten a, an EverDrive for my Genesis. But, <laughs> but you know, it kind of got me thinking that there's all these cool games on the Genesis. And it's like, you know, there wasn't really all that many Saturn equivalents or, or continuations. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, to your point, I mean, I guess the flip side to that coin is we got a whole lot of new franchises on the Saturn that didn't really mm-hmm. exist before. So, yep, exactly. Well, I hope uh, everyone enjoyed listening to this topic. And I think we have quite a few awesome topics on the table for upcoming episodes uh, that Peter and I have discussed. So, yeah, until next time, this has been Saturn Dave and Peter reminding you that you must play your Sega Saturn. Yeah, it's not even a choice. You absolutely yeah, must. Not even a choice. <laughs> play your Genesis if you have time. But <laughs> Saturn, yeah, you got to play your Sega Saturn. We'll see you next time. I'm